0: 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as we continue to walk through this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and this this morning we are doing a continuation of what we began to look at last week which is generous giving, generous gracious giving uh, that we as God's people would be marked by supreme generosity, that we would be known by it. And in fact, today as we look at these verses, we're going to see that how we are generous and what we do with regards to the things God has given us, both with our talents and with our resources, actually displays what we believe about God and displays our love to other people. So this morning we're going to be looking at just two verses, verses 8 and 9. Aren't you excited? Just two verses this morning as we continue to look at generous giving and talk today, uh, at, uh, look at supremely the example of Jesus in His genuine love shown to us. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'm going to read verses 8 and 9. I know you just sat down, but because we do church aerobics, I'm going to ask you to stand up again. We stand up because we love God's Word this much and we honor the fact that we actually get to read God's Word in our own language this morning. What a great gift God has given us. So, Second Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, starting in verse 8. Paul says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Heavenly Father, we ask you to teach us today. We ask, Father, that you would show us in these verses just how much poverty we have apart from you, how poor we are apart from you. And God, I pray you'd also show us this morning, clearly as day, just how rich Jesus is. And how gracious he is to us. So Father, may you humble us today by your word. And may you exalt your only son who died for us. Father, would you do this so that you might receive more praise and worship. Holy Spirit, teach us. Convict us of sin. Root out selfishness, God. Holy Spirit, would you teach us to walk after Jesus and his example. So that you might receive praise and honor and glory. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. Godly generosity. Godly generosity displays genuine love. One thing we need to realize this morning, it is not simple outward obedience that is sufficient. You can do things rightly, outwardly, and not have love for God. Do you believe that? Do you believe you can do good Christian things, like go to church, give money, pray for one another, and not do it because you love God? You can read the Bible and study the Bible without loving God. So it's not just we do outward things There is a heart that is at stake in all of this. And our generosity, as Paul has been sharing about generosity, we looked at it last week, he wants us to understand that the generosity we're meant to show to one another is actually an opportunity for us to display genuine love to each other. Remember last week Paul talked about uh, the, the call upon the Corinthian church to Pick back up and complete the offering that they had started to take up under Titus' leadership. Do you all remember who the offering was for? Do you remember? They were taking up an offering and who was it going to? Jerusalem Christians. Because they were the ones who were at the epicenter of persecution, losing everything. Their lives were on the line. Not that it wasn't happening all over the place, but Jerusalem was the hub of persecution. And so Paul's taking up an offering. As he goes to church and church, he's taking up an offering and encouraging them to give to the Christians, uh, not to the Christians, to the Jewish Christians uh, back in Jerusalem to help them in their poverty. Remember last week, Paul gives an example of churches that let out with huge, generous hearts. It, he mentions the Macedonians. Do you remember why? The generosity of the Macedonians was so impactful. Why he brought it up. What was it about the Macedonians that made their giving so unbelievable? What's that? They didn't have nothing. They were poor. They were dirt poor. And yet, Paul says that they pleaded with him to let them give. Because they wanted to show their love for other Christians that they had never probably met in their lives. See, one of the things we realize is that external activity must be tied to a heart that loves God and devoted to Him. Otherwise, it achieves nothing for us. Let me explain it this way. I'll deal with the husbands in the room. Husbands, there are certain days of the year When you are supposed to buy something. For your wife. There's a couple of days. And on those days. If you don't buy something for your wife. What's going to happen? Ain't going to be good. It does not help the relationship. If. You only gave gifts on those days. What might that communicate to your spouse? Why? Why would that communicate you might not care? It's more of an obligation to give on those days. Now when you give on a day you're not obligated to give. How does that look? Matt's told me about this, right? Because Matt's tried to show me up in the past by giving flowers to his wife on a day that it wasn't an obligated. And he made sure to post it on Facebook so we all knew about it. And he made sure to talk to me about it. But how would you feel? And when you, got, when you got a gift on a day when it wasn't obligated, it made you feel good, right? That it might actually show that he cares about you. Because if he only does it on the days he's obligated to, what might you think about his love for you? Maybe it's just an obligation. Maybe he just does it because he has to. See, if our giving towards others and if our giving in, in relation to God is only out of obligation, then guess what? What does that communicate about our love for him and our love for each other? It may not be genuine. Because what matters is not saying you love somebody. What matters isn't even just feeling feelings of love towards somebody. What matters is genuine love displayed to another. Paul lifts up the Macedonians. He says they gave and by doing so they were displaying something about how they felt about Christians. And he's going to bring it home to the Corinthians once again. Because remember, we left off last week with him telling the Corinthians, now you complete the offering that was started over a year ago. You finish it up. Now's the time. And don't do it out of obligation. Don't do it because you gotta. Do it because you love other Christians that much. Because notice what he says in verse 8. I say this not as a command... But to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. What's he talking about? He's talking about taking up this offering and completing it. He says, I say this not as a command. What's a command? It's an obligation. I'm not saying you got to do this. Because if if he's saying they have to do it, that's not necessarily going to reflect any genuine love. They could just be following what he said. But notice he says, but this, he says, is a chance to prove something. I say this not as a command Not as an obligation But to prove by the earnestness of others That your love also is genuine So guess what the Corinthians get a chance to do The Corinthians get a chance To prove their genuine love How? By taking up this offering For other Christians that are in need So it's not just the act of giving Oh here's my 20 bucks Paul says this is an opportunity for you as a Christian to display that your love isn't just words. You don't just have feelings of love. This is the chance to prove by testing the genuine love you have for others. Guess what the Macedonians showed? They really loved other Christians. Why? They were willing to give up what they didn't have. They didn't have nothing and they were saying, can we please give? Here's the Corinthians who seem to, by comparison, have more than them, and yet they may not be as anxious to give. Paul says here's a chance to display genuine love. And how do we display genuine love? By pouring ourselves out for the benefit of others. Specifically Christians in this context. How do we show godly generosity? By pouring ourselves out For the benefit of others, even giving what little we have to bring a blessing and to build up someone else. He says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others. Who's the others? The Macedonians. Paul gave the example to see, see how earnest they are, see how excited they are to be generous, see how much they want to show their love. He says, I say this not as a command but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Paul believes that the Corinthians will step up and they will show genuine love. He's not doubting it. He believes they will show it. And here's the opportunity to do it. We're taking up this offering. So he's encouraging them that this is a test or a chance to prove their genuineness of love, and not by compulsion, not by obligation, because that isn't necessarily love, but to show the change Jesus brings in the hearts of his people. See, you can give generously like this only because Jesus has given you a new heart that loves others more than yourself, that isn't just focused on how do I get for me, how do I stockpile for me. See, if it's a command, then it's not grace. But when we give out of our own desire to show our love, because we love Jesus, we want to show love to other Christians and other people, that's pouring out grace on others too. That because we've been recipients of grace, we pass it on and we give it to those who we have the opportunity to minister to. And this might be to show that our love is also genuine, that it is true, it is real. So, there is the idea that there is some kind of display of this genuine love. It's not just going to be words. It's going to be action. It's going to be obedience. Not to earn love, but because you've been loved. Not only that... So, he's already given them the example of the Macedonians. That would be enough, right? When you see people who are really, really poor being generous to other people so that they might have, that might stir you up a little. But Paul is always going to take it to the next level because the Macedonians are not the supreme example of humble, generous, self-sacrificing love. Who's the example? Yep, this is, <laughs> this, is, this is what a good pastor, this is what a good minister does. Doesn't leave you with just human examples from your experience as a human being, but to point you back to Jesus because that's the example that matters. Because Jesus is the only one who has done all of this perfectly and done it all in obedience to the will of the Father. So that's exactly what Paul does. Verse 9, he shows that godly generosity displays genuine love. And number two, that Jesus ultimately displays that genuine love. He says in verse 9, for you know. So for means he's going on and he's explaining further, for you know that the grace of our Lord Je- for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. So he's given the Macedonians as an example, but then he wants to ultimately point them back to Jesus. And he says, you know the grace of Jesus you've experienced it you know the grace that Jesus has brought and what was the grace that Jesus brought though he was rich he became poor so that by his poverty you might be made rich now let's get it straight this is not Joel Stein. this is not you get a check in the mail I hate to disappoint you. This is going to cost you. You know what I'm talking about? Go, you're going to have to pour out more than probably what you're going to get back. What he's saying, what, okay, let's think about it. What does he mean that Jesus was rich? What does it mean that Jesus was rich? Well, it can't be Materially. Right, because he didn't have a place to even lay his head. Paul tells us that Jesus was rich and yet he became poor. Now, that has the idea that Jesus in his existence is something and he became something at a point. So he, he, Jesus who was rich, am I still on there? Okay, great. Became poor, what could Jesus do to make Himself poor? Say that again. Leave heaven. Leave heaven. So that means that what you're saying, Ms. Dotley, is that rich and poor is talking about spiritual truths. That Jesus was rich. Did Jesus come into existence when he took on human flesh? He's always been. He's God. What was Jesus doing before he came in human flesh? Enjoying the fellowship of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect union, perfect joy, perfect love, perfect glory. That's what Jesus was doing before he took on flesh. So what does Jesus do to become poor, right? I I think the fact that Jesus was rich is telling you that Jesus was glorious and is. You can't fathom how beautiful Jesus is. There's no way you can get it all in. You remember, we're told in the Gospels that there was an occasion where Jesus decided to show his glory for like a split second. Mount of Transfiguration, right? He gives them a glimpse, and what do they do? Oh, (laughs) Oh, let's set up tents. Let's stay right here. Let's not go in. It was so beautiful, they couldn't wrap their minds around it. And that was a split second of the beauty of Jesus. All the glory of Christ, all the beauty of who he is as the awesome, majestic, almighty king of all creation. How did he become poor? Philippians chapter 2. Jim read that this morning. Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, so he emptied himself. How did he empty himself? He took on the form of a human being. He came in the likeness of man. that 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 is Jesus stooping to us. I'm the king. I deserve all worship. And I stoop and I come in the form of the very people I created. And I take on flesh and I dwell with them. When Jesus took on flesh, he voluntarily impoverished himself, he became poor. What's that mean? He didn't cease to be God. Do not believe that that changed anything to do with his deity. When Jesus took on flesh, be be convinced. The Bible tells us he was 100% God. Never changed because if he ever diminished at all, he's no longer God at all. So he's fully God. And yet what does he do? He makes himself poor by taking on a nature like ours. Dwelling with sinful people so that he might rescue us. Corinthians, finish the offering that was started so you might show your genuine love to other Christians like Jesus showed his genuine love for you. He emptied himself for your benefit. He became poor. For you, the God of the universe, becomes poor so that you might become rich. You with me? But it's not just that he took on human flesh. Simply Jesus putting on a human flesh and walking around doesn't solve the problem for us. That doesn't make us rich. What makes us rich is what he does when he's in that body. And what does he do? I'm glad you asked. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, if you keep on reading, not only did he take on human flesh, let me, let me read it so that I, don't, I don't mess it up anymore. Verse 8, Philippians chapter 2, not only has he taken on human flesh and being found in human form, he humbled himself. How? He's already humbled himself once, hasn't he? He's taken on you but he says he humbles himself more becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross Not only did Jesus take on human form to show you the love of God but he died in that human flesh so that you might be rich Not with a big check in the mail, not with nice bank accounts, not with a cool car and nice houses. He did it so that you might be rich spiritually. You might have salvation. You might be saved. You might be taken from slavery to sin and brought into submission to Jesus, made clean from the depths of your sin. And I don't care how bad your sin has been, Jesus became poor. So you might be rich. You might have salvation and the opportunity to be generous to other people. And to show them the love of Christ. Genuine love isn't just saying you love somebody. Genuine love isn't just giving to people. Genuine love is pouring yourself out giving of whatever God has given you so that someone else, others, might find the rich blessing of Christ. That means you might be able to use your stuff, your resources, your talents, your time, you might be able to use it to point somebody to Jesus. You might be extremely generous to someone and they go, "Uh, you ain't got nothing. How are you being generous to me? Well, it's because Jesus was generous to me first. It's because he became poor so I could become rich, so I'm willing to become poor now so that I might pour out for you. But folks, it seems like we as Christians spend a lot of time getting for ourselves. What can I get out of you? What can I get from you? That's not the mind of Jesus. The mind of Jesus is one that is willing to pour out everything so that others, and especially Christians, might know that our love is genuine towards them. Because Jesus poured himself out, we can pour ourselves out as well. We can show and walk after the example of Jesus. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to do this. It means it's not about getting for yourself. It's not about heaping up treasures on earth. It's about leveraging everything God has given us for the good of others, and for our fellow Christians. Paul's not in here, so we're going to talk about Paul. Paul's over there in the other room doing whatever Paul does. I don't want to single one person out, but he just stands out to me. I think he stood out to a few of you also. Paul Bratcher, over the last few months, has been pouring himself out for y'all. And for me. Paul has poured himself out so that I might be encouraged. I might have help. That he might ease a burden. He's done it for some of you too. See, it's not always about money. Sometimes it's just about someone saying, you know what, I'm going to take all the gifts God's given me. Whatever time I got. Whatever joy I have. And I'm going to give it to somebody else. And I'm going to pour it on them. Even if it might zap me. I'm telling you, all he's doing is walking like Jesus did. All he's doing you is showing you what Jesus did for you. And we can do the same thing. It's not about whether you got enough money or whether you got, it's about how much time you have or how many, re- it's just, are you going to use what God has given you? What time, what effort, what gifts, what resource? Are you going to use it for other people for yourself? We show genuine love to each other when we come along and say, you know what? I ain't got much, but I'll give it up for you if it helps you. And we as Christians, that's what we're called to do. That demonstrates our genuine love for each other, and it shows that Jesus changed our hearts. Because natural hearts don't do that. Natural hearts just want for me. But when Jesus shows up, just like with the Macedonians, just like with the Corinthians, guess what he'll do in us here at Fairhaven? He'll stir up our hearts to pour ourselves out for our community. Folks, we haven't done it enough. Can we be honest? We haven't done it. And I've, been, I've neglected that as a pastor. Would you, please, would you please forgive me that I haven't pushed us as hard as we should to get out there and to tell people we love them and that Jesus loves them and we're willing to empty our bank accounts for their good If it means they might hear about Jesus. If we're stirred up to do it, you can't tell me God won't open doors for the gospel to be shared with people. People's lives to be changed. Whole families transformed in the love of Jesus. But we got to be willing to take everything we got and leverage it on them. We're pouring it out for other people. How do we do it? That's the question I have for everyone here. Number one, you cannot show this kind of generosity and get saved by it. This isn't give so that you can be rescued. This is not do good thing, then you'll be saved and God will love you. You can't put enough money in the offering plate or in the offering box to save your soul. You can't give enough to needy people to rescue you from your sin. Only Jesus can do that. So don't try to give your way out of sin debt. You can't do it. Instead, look to the one who became poor though he was rich. So that you might become rich though you are poor. See, a lot of times in Christian circles, we talk as if God needs us. As if we're the great ones and he just needs a buddy. What Paul tells us here is don't get it mistaken. In this whole scenario, it's not us who are rich and Jesus poor. We're the poor ones. He's the rich one. We need Him. It's His work that saves us, not our own. So you need to trust in Him alone. You cannot. Work your way out of that. Only Jesus can do it. And once you're saved, once you've trusted in Jesus, in His death on the cross for your sin, the punishment you deserved for trying to kick God off the throne when He's paid for it, and you're His kid, now what are you going to do about it? How are you going to live life to show that Jesus is your treasure, not this other stuff? And you're willing to leverage everything for the glory of His kingdom and that other people might know His sacrifice and goodness and His grace. what can you do as a Christian? It may not be money. It may be time. It may be effort. It may be going to fix somebody's washer like Paul did for us when we moved here five years ago. That man was down on all fours fixing my washer for me. No, he knew I couldn't give him anything, but he did it. To How can you do it? How is God leading you? That's, you got a response card, hopefully, when you came in. If you didn't, you better grab them before you go. On the back, I have one response point. How can you show godly generosity to other Christians right now and to our community? How can you do it? I can't answer that for you. How is the Spirit leading you to pour out your lives for others so that they might be spiritually benefited? What are you willing to give up so that your neighbors and your coworkers might know about Jesus and find Him? What are you willing to do How much time? How much effort? What are we willing to leverage so that God might be glorified? It's going to be different for all of us, but guess what we should be found doing? Paul's saying not by commandment, not by obligation. Do it because you love Jesus and you love others that much. How can you? That's what we're going to ask you to respond with today. You need Jesus. And when you're His kid... Everything you do is meant to be about the mission of God, which is that the gospel would go to the ends of the earth and then Jesus would come again. How are you living life intentionally as a Christian with that in mind? What can you pour out? How can you pour yourself out? That's what we're called to do. Because in doing that, what do we display? What do we prove? The genuineness of our love for each other. It's going to cost you. But it's worth it. You may not get praise from the person you pour yourself out to. They may not even thank you for it. But you can rest in knowing that your Father in heaven is pleased when you're faithful to him. Folks, what are we willing to give up and leverage for this? Woo, let's say it all. Every bit of it. Because we love each other and we love Jesus more than anything else. I want you to respond to that today. You may have questions about what it means to be a Christian. I'm happy to talk to you about that. I'm happy to stick around after service and talk to you. You may have questions about baptism and what it means and why we do it. You may have questions about joining the church or whether you should even join a church, why that even matters. I'm happy to answer all those questions for you. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you. Maybe you've been struggling with generosity. Maybe you've been struggling to pour your life out. Maybe you haven't even looked at how you can bless others more than yourself. I'm happy to pray with you over it. This morning, let's respond. We're going to celebrate Lord's Supper this morning. What an, what an appropriate thing to do when we think about the fact that Jesus made himself poor so that we might be rich. We're going to remember his death this morning. Before we do, we've got to prepare our hearts we got to be ready to do this, not as a ritual, not as an obligation, but because we get the privilege of enjoying and worshiping our King this morning. But we need to respond. If there's sin, you need to confess. Let's do it. If, if If there's a fractured relationship between you and another Christian, let's fix it. Let's do whatever we can to make relationships right and to approach Jesus with humble hearts of repentance. This morning, I'm going to ask you to respond, whether it's in your seat or up front, I'm going to ask you to respond this morning. In fact, I'm going to pray a prayer this morning that if you're not trusting in Jesus, if you haven't done it, I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning that you could pray. It's not about the words. It's about the heart. But I'm happy to communicate the words that you might communicate to God. And this morning, I'll lead you in that, that if you need to trust in Christ, you can do it today in this very moment. But let's not approach Lord's Supper without responding to God's Word. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I love you. And God, I pray this morning that you would help us in our hearts to give you glory in everything that we do. And Father, we struggle sometimes with wanting more for us and more for ourselves and, and heaping up treasures that we can hold on to. And God, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that you bless us with resources and time and gifts, not for us but to pour out on other people and for their good. And, Father, that when we do that, we walk after Jesus. We walk after His ultimate example. And so, Father, we ask You to help us to do that this morning. That as Christians in the room, You would help us, God, to see that we are called to show genuine love to each other, to the community we live in, to the world You've placed us in. And, God, we've been called to show our ultimate devotion to You. So, Father, would You help us do that today? Would You root out of our hearts selfishness and greed and, and hoarding, God, would you would you root it out so that we would be willing and ready to give up whatever we have that others might know about the goodness of Jesus? That we might model what Jesus did and what the Macedonians did, that even though we have very little, we'd give it all up so that others might be benefited. Lord, would you help us do that? With the new hearts you've given us that love you, God, would you help us to do it well? And would you help us to give Jesus all the credit? Because he's the one who does it in us. Lord, would you do that so that you might receive more praise. And Father, this morning, for anybody who's been trying to earn their way to heaven, anybody who's been trying to earn their way to salvation, God, would you help them to respond to you this morning with this prayer. Heavenly Father, you are worthy of all praise, all allegiance, all devotion. You deserve worship from us today. But Father, we have sinned against you. We recognize that we tried to be our own kings. We tried to sit on the throne. And God, we deserve eternal punishment for that. That we have offended an infinite God, we deserve infinite punishment. And God, without you, we would have no hope. your word tells us you sent your son in human likeness, and he humbled himself. He was obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. We recognize God, only he can pay for our sins. Only Jesus' blood can wash me clean. So, Father, we place all of our sin before you, and we plead the blood of Jesus that he would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, would you forgive us? Make us new by the work of Christ. And God will give you the glory for it. We'll praise your name for taking us from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of your beloved Son. So Father, receive praise. Not only from those who are trusting in you for the first time. But for those who call themselves followers of the King. Who have been changed by the sacrifice of Jesus. Father, help us to be generous in everything you call us to. That we would show Christ to as many people as possible. Father, as we get ready to celebrate Lord's Supper, Lord, would you help us to do this not because it's the next thing on the schedule. Not because it's on the agenda. Not because we gotta. Lord, would you help us to celebrate communion this morning because we get to we get to proclaim one more time that Jesus died for us and we are saved by His work. So Lord, forgive us of sin. Help us to restore relationships. God, may we be united as a family as we celebrate this meal. Because one day, God, you tell us, we're going to eat with you forever. Not multiple tables all around the same one. Christians from every part of the globe, from all different generations will gather together and will enjoy your presence forever. God, we look forward to that. May your son come quickly. Lord, help us as we do this for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.